grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome to California Haunts Radio tonight. We have got got a great show lined up tonight. Uh, as you can see, I've gone festive in my background. I told you guys that I, uh, one of our producers donated a, ba- a new ba- Christmas backdrop. Because if you remember last year, if you were here, I had like a blue Alaskan thing going on with snowy trees and stuff. So I was freezing. Anyway, so she wanted me to have a more woodsy thing going on. So here I am in my little Christmas cabin. Yeah. Anyway. Welcome. My name is Charlotte, and I'm going to be your host tonight for the next hour. I own the and operate the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team here in Sacramento. Uh, but not only in Sacramento, which kind of makes it cool, um, it also is located throughout the state of California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and parts of Hawaii. We have team members, so I'm real excited to say that. Uh, we're nonprofit, so if you have any issues you know, that you think might be paranormal, shoot us an email and you can shoot that email to www.californiahaunts.net org i'm sorry i got so many california haunts things going on so it's www.californiahaunts.org shoot us an email there and uh i'll give you a call and uh we can talk about what's going on and see if uh, we can help you or we can refer you elsewhere or, or whatever you need in the meantime you're listening to california haunts radio www.californiahauntsradio.com and I'm really excited. Uh, Jay Gordon Melton, Dr. Jay Gordon Melton is with us tonight to talk about vampires. And I don't think we're going to be talking about the Twilight kind. I think we're going to be talking about other kinds, you know. I think vampires legend over the years, and I remember uh, taking horror film classes in college, you know, Nosferatu and things like that. But I think, it's, I think you know, there's legends for it, but, you know, the actuality of, of, what, of what it was and what people thought was vampires is a lot different from from what the legends are. So we're going to start right now, okay? Sounds good. Let's do this. Hello, sir. Good evening. How are you? Oh, doing quite well. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Oh, I'm a professor at Baylor University. Uh, My daytime job, I study uh, American religious history and uh, teach about it, and the rest of the time, I, uh, I'm a great fan of vampires and vampire movies and vampire legends, and, uh, vampire novels and vampire paraphernalia and the like, and have been for most of my life. What got you interested in vampires? That's a very good question. I, I've thought about it a lot uh, in, in recent years, and uh, I started out reading science fiction, and then I found my way to horror, and then discovered vampires and decided they were just better than all the rest, and I, I grew up at a time when the Hammer movies were coming out. I One of the few people I think left that saw uh, Christopher Lee debut on the big screen sitting in a theater rather than on television. <laughs> but, uh, but those color movies that uh, Hammer made, the, the first the first vampire movies in color, 
and I I just thought they were the greatest thing going. Absolutely. So what can you tell? I mean, obviously, vampires are not Twilight. They're, they're, they're not the guys from Twilight, right? They're, <laughs> they're completely different from, from what's in Twilight. So what can you tell us about it? Well, to say something about Twilight, uh, if, if you're a 13, 14-year-old young woman, uh, vampires of Twilight are, are probably the best thing that you have found and uh, mm -hmm. uh, are perfectly great for you. Uh, well, for the rest of us, that, that's <laughs> as well. Uh, I'm, I'm much more a Dracula fan, and uh, I think I always will be. Though I, I must admit that I was a, uh, a regular Tuesday night listener to Buffy for all of the years that uh, she hunted down vampires, and then, uh, uh, of course, kept up with Angel after that. And, so I was, I was always a great fan. Um, so when you look back through the years, what, what is one of the, the earliest um, accounts of a vampire? Well, vampires actually begin with uh, written history. Uh, 6,000 years ago, uh, in the earliest... Uh, strands of literature that we have left uh, in Greek, uh, there's a vampire character that shows up in North Africa and Libya called the Lamia. Uh, the Lamia is a female vampire that uh, is somewhat serpent-like. Uh, if you can imagine a, a mermaid uh, in which the bottom half of the of the mermaid is not a fish fin, but uh, a serpent's uh, uh, body and tail, and the, the, the woman who is the other part of the, of the uh, creature is uh, uh, very much like a mermaid, except uh, she has fangs and she goes out and attacks children in the uh, wee hours of the morning and uh, uh, sucks the blood from them, except that that seems to be the original vampire, the female vampire who in real life had lost her baby and now uh, spends her time attacking other mothers and taking their child from them as a way of, of dealing with her grief. Very interesting. Why do you think the legends of vampires came to be? Uh, I think they formed a function in pre-scientific society uh, the, as uh, civilization began to develop. There were a lot of vitally important questions that uh, the state of knowledge at the time did not answer, uh, mostly questions about birth and death, mm -hmm. uh, so that... Um, the first vampires were all about uh, uh, the birth end of the spectrum, about the problems of birth, the problems of infants, uh, the strange things that would happen to them, um, the oddities of birth, that uh, those births that were out of the norm. Uh -huh. uh, and uh, among the earliest stories we have of vampires, are societies uh, focusing upon those children born 
under unusual circumstances. For example, about one person in a thousand is born with a, with a call on their face, a membrane. Um, we know now that that's just a perfectly normal thing that happens to some people, but for in, in the ancient world, uh, that was a very unusual, unexplicable thing, and that would mark a child uh, as someone who was different. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, the vampire uh, explained a number of things about uh, uh, unusual deaths. Uh, people who died before their time, uh, people who died in accidents, people who died away from the village, these are people that would come back and, and haunt uh, and uh, attack uh, the folks that they knew and loved in real life. Uh, today we would tend to explain that particular phenomena in terms of grief work. Uh -huh. when, when we are involved with someone and they are suddenly taken from them, emotionally we have not had time to uh, finish our life with them. And um, especially if that contains negative elements in, in what we have not done, then we are perfect candidates for the dead to come back to us and, and, and haunt us. And that, that was why the, it was seen that vampires always attacked the ones they loved. <laughs> right. They, it was the ones they had unfinished emotional business with. Uh, uh, also, as a matter of, of what today we, we, we call sanitation and, and uh, uh, the need to protect ourselves from disease, uh, Older cultures had very strict rules about how a dead person should be treated, uh -huh. how the body should be uh, uh, cleaned, how it should be buried and cared for. And if, if you did not do your duty to the dead for whom you were responsible, then that person would, was seen as one who would come back and attack you as a vampire. Uh, so the vampire had a had very special task in, in ancient society and explained things. Uh, um, among them, very, the very important things that explain certain kinds of diseases that uh -huh. spread among people. Uh, to, uh, tuberculosis being the most obvious one. Uh, it's a wasting disease. If you would think of a person who the vampire would attack over a period of time, each time draining a little bit of their blood, um, it was like the TB patient who lingers and lingers and gets worse and worse and paler and paler and finally passes away uh, from this wasting disease that nobody knew how to take care of up until the 20th century. Interesting, very interesting, because you know you think back and all that, and then then, then you have the people that were, th I mean, like 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 through history, Vladi and Haler. I'm sorry, Vladi and Haler. I'm so sorry. I don't know why I was thinking about that. You know what I mean? But yeah, for like like Vladi and Haler, you know, and, and and well well known as 
you know, people think of him as a vampire, but I mean, he was. It was just the way he killed people, wasn't it? Uh, it was. Uh, Gladly Taylor is a, a guy who comes from a very small and obscure country uh, prior to the uh, uh, 1890s. Uh, if you didn't live and grow up in Romania, uh, you would never have heard of Gladly and Taylor. Uh, but he turns out to be a very important character in history. He did a lot of interesting and daring things, and he changed history in, in very significant ways. He was the model for a, a character we know a little bit better than him, a uh, fellow uh -huh. named Ivan the Terrible, who okay. was the ruler of Russia. Uh, the legends about Vlad filters into Russia and uh, became emboldened and enlarged around Ivan the Terrible and much of what we know of Ivan's life, the, the uh -huh. legend about Ivan, very much like the legends about Vlad, except 10 times worse. And uh, you, you can see the influence of the stories told about Vlad as, as uh, we look at Ivan. Uh, uh -huh. But uh, he gets rediscovered uh, along the way as uh, Stoker is writing Dracula. And right. he provides some material. Uh, Stoker actually knew very, very little about Glad uh, personally. He had one history volume on uh, the history of, of Transylvania uh, written by a man named Wilkerson. And uh, he, he mined that for all it was worth. And then uh, he creates this character who, who is has very little space in the novel. And you actually, you could pull out most of the stuff about Dracula and, and uh, not lose uh, a lot of the novel. Uh, but at the last minute, as he had finished typing the final draft, uh -huh. ready to turn it in to the publisher to be published, he crosses out uh, the title of his book, The Undead. And writes Dracula uh, at the head of it, and he turns uh, uh, this obscure 15th century uh, ruler from a, the, the country of Wallachia. Romania didn't even exist at this time. Uh, this province of Wallachia turns him into a, a world-famous character. <laughs> and, I, I don't know how self-conscious he was about what he did, but renaming his, his novel was a work of genius. Is it true that um, people were so afraid of vampires that that when when people that, that that when loved ones died or someone that was suspected of, of, of being a vampire, they would put like 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 iron gates and stuff over the top of the grave so that they would stay in. And, yeah, as you move from culture to culture, the people would, would do all kinds of things. This is part of the, of the sustenance of, of Eastern Europe, where people have been pointed out as potential vampires. So uh, when you go to bury them, and remember there are no undertakers, there are no coffins. You wrap them in a shroud and you bury them as deeply as, as you have time to. Uh -huh. uh, they're not six feet deep, they may be 
18 inches or two feet deep. And um, the, uh, so if, if you suspect that they are a vampire, then there are a number of cautionary things you can do. You can uh, stake them to the ground, turn them upside down, chop off their head, uh, put garlic in their mouth. Sure. Uh, there are various kinds of barriers that you can put between the person and the surface. Originally, these barriers weren't work to protect them from coming up, but to protect wild animals from uh, digging down and gnawing on the, on the bones, so to speak. Uh, mm -hmm. the, the flesh and cake. The, um, uh, you, you, one of the things you could do was put seed, scatter seed across the top of the grave with the idea that the vampire, before he wandered away from the grave, would have to count each of the seeds. Mm -hmm. uh, if you put a, put a wealth of seeds across the grave, then this would delay him uh, until dawn and then he would have to go back to the grave and if he got up the next night have to count the seeds again and so <laughs> that was one way you protected yourself so uh but as you move from culture to culture there are all kinds of different things that are sure are done uh if if uh you suspected there was a vampire coming after your children there were magical amulets that were <laughs> All right. for the children and things you could put around their uh, uh, bedding at night uh, to protect them. Uh, iron was, was a very important part of that. Uh, we think in terms of silver now, but uh, uh, 200 years ago, silver was very, very rare. <laughs> yeah. In the average person's home, and uh, the, uh, to get silver that would protect would be uh, a thing that that would be something a small amulet might be uh -huh. made out of. But uh, iron was the substance that really was uh, the protective thing. Interesting. You know, like I, I I told you in the initial email, my 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 father's Hungarian. I'm half Hungarian. And vampire stories were rampant in my house. <laughs> I mean, that was the whole thing, you know. Like the original Dracula movies, and a lot of people don't realize this. And I didn't realize it until I was in college, because when I took the horror film class, um, when we were watching these Dracula movies, it dawned on me that when you look at all the writing, I'm talking the um, Bela Lugosi ones, when you're looking all at, at all the, at the little towns and everything, and, and, and the writing on the stores and stuff, it's all in Hungarian. Right. Yes. And I think it's because that Lugosi didn't speak English. He knew a few English words. That's how he got through. I'm Dracula. I mean, at that point, you know, in his career. Yeah. Yeah, it, and so it's it's funny because it's all Hungarian, you know. And I and I brought it. I came home and I said, Dad, you, you know, I don't think my dad even noticed till I pointed it out. But I also, as a kid, maybe about eight or nine, maybe ten years old, we we we, we went to Hungary, spent a month there, and my father, you know, was my father, <laughs> and I remember him saying. Um, well, before we go to bed tonight, I just want to point something out. I, I've locked the windows. And I said, well, why did you lock the windows? And he says, because we're about 10 miles from Transylvania. <laughs> and I said, and I looked at him, my eyes got real big. And he says, and you know who lives there? <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was my whole month in Hungary. I was hiding all night, you know, waiting for the vampire to come. Um, um, 
Well, you, you know, uh, no, obviously, that when Dracula is written, Transylvania is still part of Hungary. Yeah, mm -hmm. So that, that uh, when uh, the Barker uh, makes his trip at the beginning of the novel, at the beginning of the movie, yeah. to Transylvania, he's going to Hungary. And it's mm -hmm. only in 1918 that uh, Transylvania is given to Romania as uh, part of the spoils of the war of World War One. Uh, well, it makes perfect sense and, now, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know on my visits there, there there's still a tremendous amount of Hungarian survivals in Transylvania. And mm -hmm. it's an interesting country because of the, the, the Hungarian Catholic Church and the Romanian uh, Orthodox Church uh, mix and match in, in odd in different ways, especially in the you know, center of uh, the cities of the part of the world. Well, we always laugh. My dad, my father, um, last 20 years of his life had false teeth. And the thing is, when he would take his teeth out, he had two fangs. <laughs> so we would laugh, and he would laugh. He'd say, look, I'm going out for the night. He'd take the teeth out. You know, he'd be like, yep, if I'm not around, you know where I'm at. Hey, I'm okay. sucking somebody's blood. <laughs> <laughs> All the Hungarian blood. Um, what do you think over the years, looking at the different versions of the vampire? I mean, we had, like you talked about the first one, you know, the first, you know, Nosferatu. I mean, Nosferatu was scary to watch, even for a silent movie. Yeah, that was some scary stuff, because he, he was yeah. scary looking. But as vampires in the movies have evolved, how do you feel about the way they've evolved? I mean, because we went from that to the nice ones, and well, not so nice, but I mean, still the Twilight vampires <laughs> completely different from, say, Nosferatu. You know, from, from the beginning of all this. Well, I, I grew up on the the villainous vampire, uh -huh. uh, of course, and of course, uh, you you should make note of the fact that next year is the centennial of Nosferatu. Oh, cool! It originally appeared in 1922. And, there will be some celebrations that are uh, already beginning to be planned for uh, uh, recognizing the 100th year of, of, the, of the movie. Uh, it's still a great movie and still entertaining after all these many years. Um, I, I, I grew up on the villainous vampire. Uh, I thought that was, that was it. But I recognized... Uh, as, as I was coming of age, that there were other vampires that were, were beginning to appear. Sure. Um, I was a great fan of Vampirella, for example, the, the female extraterrestrial vampire. Right. She's the first of the uh, vampire heroines, so to speak. Uh, and then from Vampirella, this becomes a, uh, a, a ever-present scene. Uh, in the mid-1970s, uh, Sabre Hagen, uh, the famous science fiction writer, wrote his Dracula book, The Dracula Tape, and, um, in which Dracula uh, gets in the back of a car in England uh, in the modern day, and there, it's the middle of summer, but it's snowing, and the car is stuck in, 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 on the M5 in uh, England. And he turns on the, uh, a, a recording tape to tell his side of the story uh, of what happened, uh, what Stoker wrote about, 
was was wrong, and he was really the hero. He was trying to save uh, Lucy when he bit her and turned her into a vampire. Uh, she was dying, and he he gave her a chance to continue to live because uh, she was so young and beautiful. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, Anne Rice and, uh, comes along. And before Anne Rice was Dark Shadows. Uh, Dark uh -huh. Shadows was the first of the conflicted vampires, the, the vampires who didn't want to be a vampire but had, had this choice that in order to live, they had to take blood from the living and kill people in the process. And this tortured them. Uh, it tortured Barnabas, and it tortured the uh, vampires that Anne Rice writes about. And it took me a long while to realize that uh, uh, we were fortunate that we had such good storytellers with these first uh, uh, positive vampires and conflicted vampires, because they uh, enlarged the world of vampires so much. Uh, Vampires were no longer these uh, cut to size uh, villains um, who, who always were one thing. Uh, they were now uh, all uh, everything. They were good guys, uh, bad guys, and everything in between. And this right. this meant you could expand the stories of vampires uh, in ways that had never been possible before. And that's why we had this marvelous time at the end of the 20th century where the vampire stories just kept going and growing and you thought that, my goodness, we must have exhausted this theme by now. And every time we did, we thought that some new and exciting and different uh, take on the vampire came along. Uh, you, you have some, some really great ones. Uh, that emerge. Uh, uh -huh. Buffy, of course, I think is is the most prominent one. But uh, Blade, the, the vampire slayer, uh -huh. uh, stories uh, very very good. Uh, and uh, the the comic book world just proliferated uh, uh, with vampires. At one time, I literally had ten thousand comic books in my house. Uh, and uh, each album contained a different vampire story. Uh, it, it, it's hard to imagine that uh, out of those 10,000, probably 8,000 of them were, were unique new vampire stories written right. by the great comic book artists that, that, that come along. Uh, so I, I, was, uh, uh, I, I was somewhat amazed. Uh, in 1997, I was in charge of putting together the Dracula Centennial that was held in Southern California. And we had watched uh, year by year for <clears throat> all 20 years before the number of vampire movies, the number of vampire books, the number of vampire stories were, were going up every year. Uh, and it went from uh, one a month to two a week. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there were literally more than 50 novels produced in 1992, for example. And we said, this is 
Uh, it's got to stop. Uh, this is you cannot sustain this many stories uh-huh. uh, and have something publishable, uh, so that this must be growing. And after the centennial is over, then things will get back to the way they were, say, in 1980, where there were three or four vampire new vampire novels that year. Uh, but it didn't happen that way. Uh, no sooner did we get through with the centennial celebration than word comes out that the Buffy television show is starting. The number of new uh, books and movies kept increasing. And uh, uh, we kept having, and this is just in the English language. It doesn't have anything to do with what's happening in German and French and Spanish and other languages. In Japan, uh, there was this big vampire war that developed there that produced these marvelous manga uh, stories. Uh, very, very different from the West to Koto. Uh, very different mythology. And it's only been so in the last two or three years that we're finally beginning to see a shrinkage in the number of new novels and, and books and movies. Uh, there are now more than 2,500 feature vampire films. Wow. 2,500. Uh, I haven't been able to track them all down. I, you know, most of them, I, I just know I've, I've got DVDs of about a thousand vampire movies. <laughs> that I've been able to collect and have, I can prove it exists, I have a copy of it, uh, but there's 1,500 more that uh, I have good reason to believe are out there, and I just haven't been able to track down a copy of them yet. Do you think with the anniversary of, of Nosferatu that there's going to be another resurgence? I, I think there, there will be a, a few... Uh, uh, new films. They, of course, are making a, a third remake of uh, uh, Salem's Lot. Uh, I understand. And, and Salem's Lot is probably uh, the best homage to Nosferatu uh, that's been done. Uh-huh. Uh, that's one of the things that's, that, that will happen next year. Uh, I think there will be various attempts to. Uh, 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 celebrate the, the anniversary with new books and films and comic books and the like. Uh, I don't think it will be like uh, Dracula in terms of, of the actual numbers of new films and books and things, but there will certainly be a, be a, be a slight surge that, that will go on. How long it will last after next year is uh, anyone's guess. Well, I was thinking uh, a few years ago, because uh, Preston Castle up here in the foothills, it, 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 it's, it's a whole reform school for, for boys that's mm-hmm. shut down now. But I remember a few years back they were filming a vampire movie up there, but I don't know what came of it. I don't either. Yeah. But, uh, there are some fabulous locations around uh, the, the Magic Castle, of course, uh, in L.A. was used for a couple of films. Uh-huh. As as you move around the country, I, 
I got to go to New Orleans right on the heels of the filming of uh, uh, Interview with the Vampire and got to visit some of the sites before they had been taken down. And sure. Then, uh, of course, the sites right along Bourbon Street were uh, uh, quickly put uh, uh, <laughs> back to normal, but the buildings were still there. And uh, that, that was a, a fun uh, trip to New Orleans uh, in the wake of the interview movie. Absolutely. Um, we were talking about earlier, um, you know, the early cases of what people might think would be vampires. How did that how did it evolve from that to a flying bat? Because obviously um, they didn't have that, you know, in, in the beginning times it wasn't like that, but so, you know, suddenly, I wonder if it was just for the movies, you know, that all of a sudden, it, you know, he could turn into a bat. Well, the, the, we have, Dra we have uh, Stoker and Dracula, I think, for our tying uh, vampires to a bat. Uh -huh. Well, even before Stoker, Goya and, and some of his paintings have had used the bat theme, but it's basically um, the uh, the Texas character. Uh, name. Uh, anyway, uh, most bats are vegetarian. Okay, yeah, that's know. true. And and these few species that actually drink blood are uh, Mexican South American species. And so it's it's uh, with the uh, American character in uh, Dracula that the idea of a of the blood sucking bat, you know, the vampire changing into a bat rather than some other animal. Uh, the, of course, the, the wolf and the bat, uh, the wolf and the vampire are uh, very much woven together in the folklore in Eastern Europe. But it's uh, in the Dracula novels that the bat is talked about, and Dracula makes a couple of his appearances in the form of the bat, uh, and that's where that comes from. What do you think attracts people to the thought of vampires? Uh, there are several things. Obviously, sex is is one of the things. The uh, uh, vampire bite is a um, kind of a coding word that one can use to, for sex, and uh, the, the teeth that penetrate the neck uh, are very, very favorite bite. Um, there is, is one delightful uh, movie <clears throat> that was made called Limp Fangs, <laughs> and um, the, the idea was that the, there was a um, uh, an old vampire who had gone to sleep and he wakes up uh, in the modern world and he goes out to uh, uh, bite women and uh, his uh, his fangs, whenever he sees a woman, his fangs um, get alert and come out to their strong. Um, and then the first time he tries to bite a modern woman, she just swoons and falls into his arms, uh -huh. and he can't, his things won't uh, get erect. <laughs> you can see the, the obvious implication there, which both the changing times and the nature of the vampire. Right. So sexuality is very much part of it, and, and this is uh, especially true in the comic book vampires, which are aimed at 
that teenagers and young adults. Uh, uh, the other part has to do, I think, with the modern understanding of, of afterlife and immortality. Uh, we are very skeptical people, even many strong religious people uh, have strong doubts about the uh, afterlife. Uh -huh. The vampire offers us uh, what we might say as, as an extended life. Uh, our life is very short. I'm getting on up in years now. <laughs> you know, I, I, I begin to have more thoughts about what, what the next world is going to be like. Uh, the vampire offers us a way of extending our present life. It's not immortality, but it's not death yet. And so a uh, vampire might live hundreds or thousands of years, uh, billions and billions or everlasting. So it's kind of a, uh, an extended uh, stay, a, a, a way to skip death, at least for the moment. Uh, I think those are the, the kinds of things. And for the teenagers, uh, and most people who get interested in vampires do do so during their teen years or during their twenties, uh, the vampire is is a strong character who allows you in all of the anxiety of adolescence uh, a, a way of dealing with the opposite sex uh, overwhelmingly. Uh, if, if for only a short time, but for most of us, much longer time, we have problems learning how to be an adult, uh -huh. uh, and especially how to relate to the opposite sex, how to relate to our, those people who are potentially our sexual partners. And uh, the vampire, with his magnetism and his hypnotism, uh, allows us to deal with that anxiety of, of the real world um, and gain some control over this important but uh, frightening part of our growing up. Uh, so I think those are the, are the, the, the basic three things that uh, vampires do for us. Sure. Has it always been um, in the lore that did they have to be invited in? Uh, no, uh, okay. to be blunt about it. it, it's a it's a widespread notion because the vampire is a product of a rural small town uh, society. Uh, your home is is your kind of protection, but we we have to remember locked doors and keys, a very modern uh, invention. Uh, they don't come about until uh, 300 years ago, maybe, mm -hmm. uh, and it, with the idea of privacy. Uh, so that uh, having to invite the vampire in is sort of a way of saying that when you're in your home with your family, that's your protective shield. Okay. And um, as daylight is, your protective shield in the day. Uh, the closed door in your family is the protective shield. And uh, thus, whether it's uh, locked or not, 
if it's closed, the vampire cannot penetrate that, that kind of semi-sacred space. And, and you can sleep comfortably at night, even mm-hmm. though there is a vampire roaming up and down the, the pathways near your village right now. Uh, so that's an important part of the, of the Lua as, as, as it grows and develops and becomes pervasive in some cultures. Um, I know there's, I'm going to go in a kind of different direction here, but there's been criminals that have studied the vampires and wanted to be like them. I mean, one that comes to mind is one that was living near my house, uh, Richard Trenton Chase. Oh, yes. Exactly. Why do people get that far, that much of a fascination with them to the point where they want to do that? Just like I know there's goths, there used to be a lot of goths around this area who mm-hmm. actually well, you know, said they were vampires. So well, why is there such a fascination? Well, I, I think you're, you're asking two, two different questions there. Okay. Uh, one of them, uh, uh, if you, if you may, may remember Richard Ramirez, the Satanist, uh-huh. uh, who uh, was very much like Chase and who, who uh, killed different ones of victims and who had the uh, Ramirez had the uh, um, star that he. Uh-huh burned onto his, the palm of his hand. Uh, I, those people are, are people who are wounded souls. And uh, they are, are people uh, who are, well, they're like pedophiles. Uh, they have something wrong with their psyche. And so they, they just go out almost uncontrollably and attack victims. And, uh, they be, Easily become serial killers, and uh-huh. I think uh, I, I think it's the case that with uh, someone like Chase, uh-huh. that he would have been a, a serial killer, and if he had never heard of a vampire, he would have have adopted some other uh, uh, storyline to sure. uh, help perpetuate. He might have become a Satanist, or he uh, could have become a black magician, or, or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's part of it. Uh, for other people, uh, particularly well, the people in the in the goth movement, uh, we did several studies of the goth people along the way. Uh, these these were people who were wounded souls, uh, and we we could use that same language that we use about Jason Ramirez. But they were creatively working out their problems. They had found, there were people who found in the goth movement who had uh, been uh, victimized as, as children. Uh, they were beaten, they were sexually abused, uh, they were isolated, uh, neglected, whatever. And they found in the goth movement, because it was so different, and uh, once you got into it, uh, you know, the, you were left alone. Uh, uh-huh. Your friends were the other goths. And that provided s- space for people to uh, come to deal with the wound that they had, had inflicted 
uh, had been inflicted upon them and to grow beyond it. It was one of the healthiest movements I'd ever run into and, and understood. And I, uh, over a several year period when I would move in and out of it, uh, watching the folks, I, I watched people grow and mature. Uh -huh. And uh, they dropped out of their normal growth into the movement at some point. And maybe five years, six years later, they came back and picked up where they had left off. But now they were healthy. And they had learned how to, uh, 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 well, there, there were obviously a lot of women who had been sexually abused. And they came out of the goth movement uh, uh, as as something you you wouldn't want to mess with. If you if you were a man wanting to attack a woman, you would not want to attack a woman God. And uh, that uh, she would not allow herself to, to be the victim anymore. And uh, it, 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 that that was a nice thing to watch. Now, um, out of all the films that you have. You have a lot of stock, obviously. Mm -hmm. What do you think is the best vampire film? <laughs> uh, what is the best vampire film for me varies from week to week. Uh, I, at one point, when I when I first did my vampire book back in, in 1994, I came up with a list of the 25 best. And, of course, the number has continued to grow, and, and there were new good ones along the way. So I began to say the reason that this film is the best is different from the reason that film is. The reason that Dracula, uh, the, the old Lugosi movie, is still among the best movies ever made uh, in, the, in this genre uh, is because of its sticking power and, and uh, some of the things it was the first one to do. And, uh, if you know anything about the history of Dracula, uh, how the character Dracula gets adopted, adapted to a uh, British drawing room, and and then Lugosi comes along and turns it into a, a, a really a powerful character that's the mo one of the most recognizable literary uh, characters going. Uh, that's a great movie. Uh, uh, when you get among the Japanese vampire movies, Vampire Hunter D is, uh -huh. is a fantastic movie for all kinds of different reasons. Uh, the, the artwork, uh, there's this fabulous artist, Amara, who, uh, a Japanese artist. His penmanship is right up there with Jack Kirby and any of the great American artists that that we know of who did comic art. And it's a fabulous story. Uh, uh -huh. uh, so it, that's one of the movies you wouldn't want to miss, Vampire Hunter D. Um, there's uh, the Dance Macabre movie that, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, you know, my, my memory is, is slipping on me. <laughs> Great <laughs> uh, B movie guy who made a uh, made uh, um, uh, Jack Nicholson's first movie, the uh, 
about the, the plant that's the vampire. Um, uh, anyway, uh, that's the top. Movie uh, stage play with two people. There, there, there are two actors. Uh, the, the story is about uh, a vampire who goes out and picks his victims among people who he figures wants want to die anyway. And so he he assuages his guilt about killing people by picking out people uh, who have a death wish. So he picks out this uh, uh, woman um, who um, he's been reading her thoughts and she seems to have suicidal tendencies. And then once he, he gets with her and uh -huh. uh, lets her know what's about to happen, she ta talks him uh, into saying uh, things and doing things that kind of keep postponing uh, the event. Uh, uh, she finds out he, he is uh, upset that he hasn't seen the sun. So she takes him out to the Santa Monica uh, 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 here and puts him under a spotlight, under the big spotlight, so he can have some experience of, of sunlight. And then in the end, uh, he, well, I didn't want to give the end away. But she uh, says, well, if you're going to kill me, I have a son. I'd like to go see my son for a minute and before this happens. So the vampire takes her to see, see, his, see her son. It's uh, a fabulous, fabulous movie. And, uh, I would, uh, it gets made, uh, remade as Dance of the Vampire uh, later on. But it's it's great. Uh, you know, the the original black and white version is. is uh -huh. um, I liked Innocent Blood. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw it. Uh, uh, it starts out with this female vampire who's depressed, and you know uh, things have become boring. So she's reading the newspaper, and she sees this article about a uh, a mafia person, and uh, Decides, oh, tonight I'll, I'll die in a cabin. It's a movie, uh, a delightful comic, comic movie uh, as she goes out and, and attacks the, 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 the mafia boss. It's uh, <laughs> funny. Also, very good. I, I enjoyed Southern's Lot. I thought the first, first uh, uh, film in the Southern's Lot was a, a really great movie. And, Salem's Lot was an important book for me, uh, and I read it along the way. Uh, I had uh, a friend of mine had given me uh, a copy of Stevenson's first book, The Carry, which I read in one sitting. Uh -huh. It's not a huge book, and I just was hooked on Stevenson's work. And, uh, and then when he comes out with Salem's Lot, this was just a fantastic book. Uh, Piece of literature, and I was very, very happy when they made it into a, a television movie. <laughs> but you know, you, you've got the, the, the great movies, the several that Hammer made, particularly the Carmelo movie and the uh, original Horror of Dracula. Okay. Uh, those two would stand uh, 
the Langella Dracula movie and then the Coppola version. Those were all for different reasons, great movies. Uh, uh, Stephen King, or, uh, Christopher Lee is the first Dracula who shows his fangs and who bites his, uh, his victim on screen. Uh -huh. uh, Langella just brings the romance of it, uh, the relation between him and Nina in the movie is, is fun to watch. And uh, the, uh, in the Coppola movie, uh, Coppola's, you know, not altogether successful, but his real attempt to bring all of the characters in the original Dracula movie together uh, on screen. Almost all of the Dracula movies cuts characters or mashes them together. Um, and so you, you miss some of the subplots, uh, which you seem to have to do if you're going to reduce that novel to an hour and a half movie. Coppola uh -huh. tried to keep the ma all of the major subplots and all of the major characters. And, uh, but, uh, well, he does it pretty well. And it's, 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 uh, uh, that, that's one of the, the, the better ones to uh, Cool. What do you say to people that want to start researching this? Where should they start? How, how should they do it? Hmm. Um, well, I think they should get my encyclopedia <laughs> to do it. Uh, they, they certainly need that one to, to get on the shelf. Uh, but there, there are a number of really good books uh, out on the subject uh, uh, right now that you can get. Uh, and uh, I would say get some of the basic uh, survey books that, that cover uh, the the issue of, of vampires and vampire lore and, and uh, one of several Bill Hughes' book on Dracula, for example, would be a good place to go uh, to get started with Dracula. Uh, get a few of the best-selling novels uh, and okay. Try to sample some of them from the romance over to the the more traditional. Um, uh -huh. The the strand, the, the strand is a pretty good one uh, in terms of, of the evil uh, vampires and the, the vampire hordes that are coming to get you. Uh, the, uh, and and do that, and then dip into the the classic uh, novels. I would, I would not start with Dracula as the first novel I read. Uh, I got into it maybe three times before I actually got past those first chapters and into the flow of the story. And uh, uh, once you get into it, it's great. But, but, uh -huh. It's a little tough going at, at the beginning. Uh, and uh, I Am Legend, uh, that's a one of the great novels to uh, uh -huh. pay attention to. Uh, so I would, that's the way I would do it. Uh, okay, cool. I'm a bibliophile and I have this huge um, uh, selection of, of Vampire and Dracula books sitting in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you do. I, I, realize, I, I realize how unusual I am. And, uh, uh, I would love to get into your home library and your movies. I would. I would just love to get in there and, ch and check it all out. I really would. So how can people get a hold of you if they want to talk to you about this stuff? 
Uh, I'm, I'm there online. Uh, the, uh, I have a, my basic site is at Baylor University. It has to do with my um, religious career, but they can contact me um, through the uh, email addresses that are there on the, on the Baylor site. And I welcome fans who want to write and, and talk about Dracula. Uh, as much as anyone. Uh, I don't know that I can answer every letter I get, but uh, I try. And, uh, the, uh, uh, my new book, The Vampire Almanac, just came out. Uh -huh. I'm sure they very much want me to let your audience know about it. It's a great Christmas present. So, uh, <laughs> uh, go buy a copy uh, right now. Uh, but, uh, this is kind of an encyclopedia, and, and it, it reads and it's organized like an encyclopedia, and so it tries to touch on everything. So there's a little bit there for everyone, sure. uh, from juvenile novels to scholarly works to uh, 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 even sociological studies. There's an entry on Karl Marx. And, uh, Marx is using vampire metaphor, Captain Gospel, for example. Um, but it, it covers the different people who are, are writing now about. So I, um, those are all uh, kind of entry points. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm still in the email. I haven't gotten on social media uh, as much. And so email would be the best way. Okay. okay, cool. Thank you so much for coming on this hour blew by. Oh my gosh, I learned so much. <laughs> and I want to get you on again to talk about this stuff. This is awesome. This is really this was really to, awesome. Uh, to come on and uh, I would be happy to uh, also refer you to some of my colleagues who might make um, interesting guests for you. I, I, this is my first introduction to California haunts. I, <laughs> I, I, I want to wish you well as this grows and, and becomes something for uh, a uh, new generation of folks who are working on this topic. Thank you so much, sir. Well, you have a good evening. It was great. Take care. All right. Take care. Thank you, sir. Bye. Well, that was real fun. That was a fun interview. I learned so much about vampires and my Hungarian roots and connected to vampires. Tomorrow, we're kind of changing gears. Teresa St. Francis is going to be with us, and she is going to be talking about what happens the day after you die. It's kind of a sad thing because she has done work with um, parents, of, parents and family members of, of teenagers who have committed suicide. You know, in, in the hopes of the you know the, of the family being able to contact the their loved one, and you know, and helping with some of that grief with 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 the, with the families. So she's going to be on tomorrow with us at six thirty p.m. usual time. Um, I know we had sound issues tonight. Uh, um, nothing I could do about it really. But what what I'm going to do is uh, sit tight. I'm going to try because uh, I have to set this up as a podcast anyway. So I'm going to see if I can fix the audio in Adobe Audition tonight and then get it up on the podcast and, and possibly fix it for the video as well. Um, I did hear what he said, though. You know, it's funny because I'm hard of hearing, and so <laughs> the, way he, the way it came out is what I'm normally hearing. But I'll, I'll see what I can do with this. Um, 
I want to thank you guys for coming. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. Or even share it with five of your enemies anyway. Who cares if you liked it or hated it? Just send it out. Because we're trying to get the word out. Um, the more the merrier. We're, we want to keep bringing these guests to you guys. Subscribe. That's another thing. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're almost there. We're almost to the point where we can actually get a dedicated URL to YouTube. In the meantime, excuse me, I just started the itch. The heat in here is crazy. In the meantime, um, go to our webpage, www.californiahauntsradio.com, and this video will be on the front page, of course. It goes out live on that page every day. Click on that. You can go to YouTube from there. Subscribe. You can subscribe from there. The more subscribers we have, the, the better things go. And I'm real excited because our numbers have just about tripled in the last month and a half, two months, as far as views. So we're really, really starting to launch and take off. So the, the more people you can tell about us, the better it's going to be. Okay, so just just keep sharing and sharing and sharing, just like our podcast numbers are going through the roof, are starting to go through the roof now. Real excited about that. It's, t- it's taken almost, well, we're on our second year doing this and um now we're just starting to starting to rise you know um paypal.me at california haunts reason why i have that california haunts paranormal investigation team is non-profit so all the costs for all this stuff comes out of my my personal pocket and i want to keep this show on the air i really do and I, I think you guys like it too or you wouldn't be coming here to watch it and listen to it and whatnot so if you could Find it in your heart to donate a little bit. That'd be great. It doesn't have to be a lot, but I mean, you know, just just to keep this thing going, because it's it, it, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, we learn about ghosts, we learn about vampires, we learn about other things, but we also talk about news topics. We're, you know, we talk about toxic food. We talk about stuff that people are interested in. So, if you can find it in your heart to donate, that would be good at PayPal.me at California Haunts. Anyhow, with that said, let me get over here and let's see. Gotta get the right buttons, right? Yeah, I'm about buttons. I want to thank you guys for coming, and I will see you tomorrow. And again, um, check in in about probably two hours, maybe two and a half hours on the video. And uh, what I'll do is, if I can get the sound going um, on the audio itself, I'll post the podcast on Facebook, and I'll try and get the video corrected on this. Um, the, the 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 sound for the video corrected on this as soon as I can. If, if it's possible. Anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good night.